What is up, everybody? Thank you for checking out a new episode of the Bible Code Core Podcast. I am your host, Patrick Huerta. Hopefully, you're doing great. Hopefully, you're doing good. Hopefully, you had a great Thanksgiving uh, four-day weekend. Uh, hopefully, you had a four-day weekend. Some of us didn't um, get to enjoy that. But hopefully, you're doing good. Hopefully, you're doing good uh, and you're staying safe and staying healthy and all that good stuff. Uh, today, I uh, sat down via Zoom, uh, Zoom chat, Zoom meeting, however you want to say that, uh, with local comic and uh, podcast host, uh, Hare McDonald. He he hosts his podcast, the Middle Class Trash Podcast. Has a lot of interesting guests on there. Uh, so far, they've been interesting. I was on the podcast. I don't think I'm that interesting, but he gave me a platform to talk about my old band days. And... Um, you know, I look fondly on those on those times. You know, the good, the bad, and the fuzzy. I look I look back and I I like to enjoy it. I all like to laugh at it because I can laugh at it now. You know, now that I get to look back at it ten years later. Um, so that's what my episode uh, was about. Don't know when that's going to come out, but check out the podcast, the uh, the middle class trash podcast. He has a lot of great, uh, interesting guests. Uh, people that he's met he's met throughout his life in different places uh, so it's cool it's very very uh good podcast to check out if you're uh, uh you know looking for a new podcast to to listen to uh but this was was fun i was just uh, getting to know him a little bit more and he invited me to do his podcast and so i reached out to him and invited him to do mine so we could kind of know about learn more about each other you know uh it was fun. It was good, uh, good, uh, good talk, good discussion. Also, this week, this past week, I announced a new podcast that I will be launching, possibly in twenty twenty one, the Carpe Gisada, uh podcast. Um, I talked about it a little bit on the Problematic Podcast uh, episode that I did with uh, with Zach Dixon. And then I finally announced it on Instagram, uh, you know, coming soon, Carpe Gisada. Uh We'll see how it goes. Um, that is going to be more focused on comedy, hopefully. That is the plan. You know, uh, everything is funny, possibly, maybe. We'll find out. Uh, so I'll, I will be launching that uh, pro- probably early 2021. Uh, the plan is to do that uh, face-to-face with the face-to-face uh, comedy panel. Um, but who knows where we're going to be in the next four months or so. Oh, shit. Two months. November, December, January. Jesus. In two months, where are we going to be? What are we going to do? What's the world going to look like? We'll find out. I don't know what that means for the Baba Core podcast. Um I'm not 100% sure if I'm going to be doing both. I don't know. They're two different premises. They're two different ideas. The Bible Code Core is more like of an interview type thing. Get to know uh, the guest. Uh, give them a platform to promote their what they got going on. 
and the Carpe Gisada podcast is going to be more about uh, comedy, talking about current events, news stories, and trying to find the the uh, the comedic point of view in in those things uh, with me, along with uh, some uh, local open micers, uh, comedians, all that good stuff. We'll see. Um, we'll see if I even follow through with it. You know, uh, I pro- I want to. I really want to. I really want to uh, focus on this project, uh, that podcast. But we, who knows? Nobody knows. Uh, but yeah. Uh, you can find out more about that at Twitter and Instagram at your homie Pat. Uh, also follow the Balakoa Core Instagram at Balakoa Core. And uh, yeah. I'm recording this on Saturday, which means I did a show Friday at the Roxy Theater. Shout out to the Roxy Theater. It's a great place, intimate uh, theater. Uh, but we did uh, the, the Big the big John show. Yay. Uh, it was the rescheduled uh, show that he was supposed to do at the Alamo Draft House back in March. That obviously got postponed, got canceled because of COVID. And we made it happen. He made it happen. He made it happen uh, at the Raxi Theater. Great crowd. Um, packed house. Uh, it was uh, Duck Easy, myself, and then Big John. Big John closed it out strong. And, uh, it was fun. So if you were at that show, hope you had a good time. Uh, I know I did. And I think I think I'm going to chill with, uh, with shows, with doing shows. I'm going to focus on the Babacool Core podcast. I'm going to focus on launching the Carpe Gisada podcast. And I'm going to just, I'm going to wait it out. I think I'm just going to wait it out, um, you know. But uh, I hate I hate turning down shows. I hate saying no. So, uh, but I'm glad. I'm glad I was a part of the Big John show. I had a blast. I had so much fun. Uh, the crowd was good. Um, I kind of lost them a little bit here and there, but I got them back and I think they liked me and I know that I loved them. So, uh, it's a nice, nice way to end, uh, or to go on a hiatus, sabbatical, whatever. Well, uh, the numbers, um, chill the fuck out, you know, but yeah, that's enough about me. Let's get into this episode with Harry McDonald. Funny dude. Great podcast host. Uh, Hopefully you enjoyed this episode. Thank you very much for listening. I'll check in with you all next week. All right. Here it is. Hair McDonald. What's going on, man? How are you doing? Doing good, man. Thanks for having me on the show. Appreciate it. Yeah. How How was your Thanksgiving? wasn't too bad wasn't too bad i didn't do anything exciting because my girl's a nurse so she worked so oh yeah so you know how heb does the like pre-made meals and whatnot you can just go there and pick up a box and it's just all of thanksgiving in the box uh-huh yes yeah, so we did two of those oh that's cool mm-hmm. or do you usually like have like a big setup or a big gathering around thanksgiving Nah, not really man like um so i'm originally from new mexico but my parents split, and so they live in, like, different states, and it's, like, a pain in the butt to try and go, you know, spend time with all of them. So I just don't yeah. do, don't spend time with anybody. 
And I usually just hang out with me and my girl and we'll do something. But since she's a nurse, like I said, she's almost always working on holidays. So I basically just like bachelorring it up every holiday, like Christmas and Thanksgiving and New Year's. I'm just at the house playing video games like pretty high right now. So, and you're fine with that, right? Like you, you enjoy that? Like that's cool for you? Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I think everyone's different. But for me, I've always, I'm an only child. I've always been a loner. So I'm really comfortable being just by myself. Like I'm really good at like occupying my own time. Like I have a lot of yeah. hobbies and interests and stuff. So like when holidays roll around and you have to stop doing that to go like do family stuff, I usually feel internally conflicted where I'm like, yeah. yo, I know I'm supposed to do this and it's the right thing. But I'd rather be at the house. No, I get that, man. Like, because they have the 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 term introvert, extrovert, and mm -hmm. stuff. And I guess I'm sort of an introvert, like maybe a little shy, I guess. But I get I get energized by spending time by myself. So when it is time to do group activities, like I'm amped, I'm charged, I'm ready to go, I'm ready to be like in the convo or or you know just be a part of the group thing. But also, I cannot wait to go and just be by myself <laughs> like take the whole stress off because like, i don't know man i mean like uh, people are just naturally like uh talkative outgoing which is like amazing i don't know how they do that but for me like just being in the group setting it's like okay now it's, it's time to turn it on it's time to be you know social it's time to be out there it's a lot of work man bro that's it's a lot of work that's funny that you say that so i wholeheartedly agree that it's uh it's like an energy type thing so I also feel the same way. Like when I'm around a group of people, it's like a switch goes off in my head and I'm in performance mode, not yeah. on purpose. It's just like, Oh, I'm excited to like just be around these people. I guess that's probably why we, we do open mics and stuff like that. Why we're drawn yeah. to comedy and, and music and performing and whatnot. But do you, would you say that you feel drained from those experiences as well? So after a while you got to go home and kind of recharge and that's why you like your alone time. Sometimes, sometimes, because uh, especially if it's a lot of work, you know, like you're doing shows and doing networking and then talking to talking to people after the show. Like, it's just, you know, because you want to be that guy. You want to be like the funny person on and off stage, even though when it's on stage, like, you know, it's different, but they don't. So they kind of expect it like just people who like might be at the show and stuff. And this happened last night. I did a show last night. And uh, afterwards, people wanted to talk, and I was like, "Oh shit!" And I, I, everything I say has to be funny if they want to talk to me. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you feel obligated. I, I, yeah, I felt very obligated. Felt very, very drained afterwards. Like, oh man, the show just didn't stop. Like, yeah, I did fifteen minutes, but actually, I did like maybe thirty with yeah. after after conversation and stuff. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I like I become drained of it, and then I have to spend time by myself and become energized and, yeah. and can't wait to get out there. That's, the pandemic's so weird, man, because you had I had all this time to, like, just... I was soaking it in. You know, I don't have to be anywhere. I don't have to go anywhere. I don't, I don't have to be around anybody. But then I, be, I just had too much of that where I didn't get to, you know, uh, drain the battery, so to speak, yeah. or, like, to do the group thing. And now I just switched off. Like now I'm just like, does it energize me or is it just like something that I have to deal with? You know, the situation that we have to deal with. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. It's too much of one thing I think is bad. Like if you're always out and if that, like I'm the type of person that when I'm around people, I have anxiety really bad. And so how I cope uh -huh. with that is like through humor and just by performing, quote unquote, yeah. like by switching on and then being kind of like the center of attention because you feel like you can control the situation. But like a battery over time, I get drained. So like when I used to live in Europe, 
and I traveled a lot, it'd be like day three where I'd be like, I'm just trying to go to the house and play video games now. Don't fucking talk to me. Like I would feel like irritated by people like standing three feet within my vicinity. Like they're just there. And I'm like, yo, yeah. get the fuck away from me. So I think everyone has their own like thresholds in terms of like being an introvert, extrovert type deal. So, I mean, for me, it's definitely, I got to have at least one day a week, bro, where I'm at the house. I don't talk to anybody. I don't answer the phone. I'm just playing video games and practicing whatever form of ex- escapism I'm using at that time. So, wow, you don't even answer the phone. Like, you take it that far. Like, bro, no like, phone calls, no distractions. It's, just, it's me time. Yeah. And it's really just because <laughs> I, I've got to recharge because I feel like physically drained by people, like people coming into contact with me, but whether it's talking or just like, um, even what we're doing right here, even though this is stuff I love to do and I like to do it, I don't know if it's just like a weird personality quirk, bro, or there's uh-huh. some like un- undiagnosed mental health issue going on here or, or something that I just sometimes, bro, I'm like, I've got to be alone. Don't look at me. Don't talk to me. Like I have my own little like space where I go play games and my girl's like, okay, don't bother. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny, man. Yeah. I get that. Uh, before we get into that, because I do have a couple of follow up questions to that. Uh, social media plugs, anything you got going on? Uh, let them know about it uh, here. Uh, so, yeah, what, what, what do you got going on? OK, with that? definitely, definitely. So um, middle class trash podcast on Facebook and Instagram. I post episodes every Tuesday and middle class trash cast at gmail.com. If you want to email me after you listen to it and tell me how much you hate it. That's yeah. Anything else you're on uh, Instagram or uh, that's it. Uh, that's, that's all I it. got, bro. Until I become so you, a famous comedian, that's it. Because all I got is a podcast yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's a great podcast, man. You have very interesting guests, and like these are all people that you've met, right? Like like through all walks yep. of life, through yeah. all your travels and stuff. So you know these people. You've known of them, and the, now it's just you putting them on your podcast yeah, yeah. to like talk about what they got going on. That's crazy amount of people. How many people like you've you've came in contact with with very interesting <laughs> stories man <laughs> yeah yeah definitely i'm i'm fortunate enough to have uh, like a diverse friend group so i i lived in las vegas before i lived here for like 15 years but and during that time i was also in the military so i spent time in the air force i went overseas i've been around a lot of things and the different people and you just happen to run into some folks who are like hey did you know that JFK Jr. is a time traveler and he's using time travel with Donald Trump to save America. And I'm just like, wow, I'm friends with this person. You know, like I didn't yeah. <laughs> know you thought that shit. And then I'll, I'm friends with a guy who's an internationally known uh, male porn star, a gay porn star. And I just met him because I played at a dive bar once. You know what I mean? Just stuff with, it's just, I guess the six degrees of separation with people. Like you never know like who you're going to have contact with and be like, oh, this is actually like a tangible relationship now like it's interesting and just the deep dark things that people think about like that, that's why i love doing the podcast thing bro because i feel like when you sit down and you talk to somebody you get to learn about people in general not just this specific person like oh wow there's a person out there that thinks this or has this this mindset and kind of helps me like i take little bits from it and i add it uh-huh. to my own little re- repertoire of how i like view the world so i'm just fascinated by humans man yeah middle class trash where did you get the that title from that the idea for that because I so like you know you know coming up with a podcast name is the hardest part. Like that it like sucks, you could buy yeah. all the equipment, do all the stuff that you need to do, have all the motivation, but having a name that people would remember. So for me, this is more like uh, a self label. So I 
I, I exist in the middle class, but I grew up in the trailer park, bro. So, you know, Oh wow. yeah, you can come up out of that, that at some point, but you're always going to kind of have that leftover mindset. And that's just where I'm at, bro. I'm like, yeah, I, I'm in the, I'm in the middle class tax bracket, but I also still eat at McDonald's a lot. You know, like I don't, I don't know how to cook my <laughs> own food and uh, I'm very messy, like that kind of thing. Like, I'm just not like a classy guy. Yeah. Uh, how long were you in the military? What age did you join in the military? I joined fresh out of high school. So I'm originally from Alamogordo, New Mexico. Shouts out to yeah. Alamogordo. And uh-huh. um, there's 30,000 people there, one Walmart and uh, a JCPenney connected to a, a closed down Kmart. And that's what they call a mall. So I didn't have a whole lot of career opportunities Joined the Air Force at 18. And then I did six years and I was lucky enough to get stationed in Las Vegas uh, because my original orders were going to be North Carolina and I don't know anything about North Carolina and I don't want to trash the state, but it's, it didn't sound cooler. Than it's Los no Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> I know that much. Yeah. So those are my options. So I obviously took Vegas. Yeah. Yeah, man. So j- just trying to get out of your home, your home yeah. uh, town. Yep. You, that's what made you want to join the military. Try, trying to escape the meth trap that is Alamogordo, New Mexico. Yeah. There really wasn't a whole lot of like career options for me. And I wasn't going to college because middle-class trash. Like I was not at school to learn. I was like, I've got jokes. And my friends were like, let's go smoke weed. And I was like, of course. And I didn't even think about school at all. Like I barely passed. I barely made it through just by sheer luck. And so when it was, you know, my parents were like, Hey, you're 18. It's time to go. So I just, willy-nilly just was like I guess I'm in the Air Force now like I didn't really have a plan it wasn't something I always wanted to do when people ask you like why you joined you always want to say like because 9-11 like you want to have a good reason for it but really it was like I didn't know what else to do bro at all yeah <laughs> what so like you didn't even like make up a fake story like yeah 9-11 like that's my inspiration oh, bro right when you're when you're in the military and people ask you like to serve my country like you're afraid like you lie yeah. to strangers because you know you don't want people to like think that the military is populated by monsters just because i am so mm-hmm. i would just tell people things like because i graduated in um 2002 and that was right after 9-11 was my senior oh, yeah, year right after so i just used that as a convenient story like it just people ask you and especially when you're as young as I was I was 18 when I joined and I was probably like developmentally really like 14 I was very immature of my age living in a small town my whole life I had no idea how the world works so when people would ask me things I was like just say what they want to hear and then they'll leave you alone and you don't have to talk to them anymore so I would just be like yeah I saw the towers fall senior year and I knew it was time to serve my country you know I even grew a mustache when I was in to try and kind of blend in like I'm fucking serious about this (laughs) <laughs> and so all the traveling that you've done was because due to the military i'd say it was directly yeah you could tie it to the military I, not all of my travels been as like a, a uniformed military personnel um mm. so like i i did my six years and then i got out and i work now as like an it contractor so i just do like it support for different branches of the military and because of that i'm able to go to places like in germany and belgium i actually lived in belgium for a year uh, i deployed when i was in the military uh, to Kuwait, it was super cake, and I don't deserve any praise for that. Like a lot of people, are like, oh my god, thank you, thank you for yeah. going over there. I'm like, I was playing basketball and eating like three meals a day and playing video games in my tent, dude. It was all good. <laughs> <laughs> like, you don't have yeah. to thank me because they gave me money to be there. It's all good, you know. So, but yeah, man, it was. It's definitely like it was. It's one of those things that like I'm not an advocate for the military, but I'm definitely an advocate for people to join the military if you've got no idea what you're doing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It just really helps you find your center and grow as a person. 
what made you want to get out after six years? Oh, I hated it from day one. Like I remember <laughs> laying in my bed at when I first got to basic training and you're still like in your street clothes and there's just grown men screaming at you the whole time. It's like 11 o'clock at night. And they're like, why the fuck aren't you asleep? And you're like, cause you're yelling at yeah. me, man. And they're like, okay, well you better fucking sleep. So you're just getting like grilled. And the whole time I was like, wow, this was a huge mistake. I'm definitely going to leave as soon as I can. And you would think that, you know, as you go through your career and kind of experience normal life and you realize like, oh, this is just a job where we, where we all kind of dress the same and have mm -hmm. really strict parents that take care of us. Cause that's really just what the military is. It's like a normal corporate job, you know, doing IT or if you're doing like services, handing out basketballs or working the chow hall, no matter what it is, like we all get paid the same based on mm -hmm. our rank and we all have to follow the same rules. So there's a lot of structure to that. And I know a lot of people like that, but I felt like confined like I was a prisoner and I like I was still living with my parents you know it just I didn't feel free and that's really what I wanted so when my time came in I was like I'm fucking out and I jumped as soon as I could into a civilian job doing exactly what I was doing in the military and making substantially more money so oh yeah and I, so you, you you just wound up staying in Vegas yeah dude I lucked out I mean so we talked about this a little bit before on my podcast but I was a musician from 2006 till 2018 uh and that was a big reason why like i wanted to get out as well because you, you know as well as i do being a musician at some point you're going on a tour yeah and you can't do that in the military you can't just be like hey i'm gonna be gone next week they're like you're gonna get arrested if you do that so so of course uh i got out in, in hopes to pursue music obviously i had my it job to fall back on but uh, the main goal for me was like, I want to do something in entertainment. I just did, I thought it was music, but boy, you can, you can attest to this, but what a tough industry to get into. I don't understand how anybody makes it playing rock music. Do you, what'd you play? I was a vocalist. So, uh, Oh, you were the vocalist. Yeah, okay. yeah. It was all metal the whole time. Never branched out, never opened my eyes to anything new. I was just yelling on a microphone from age 22 to like 34. <laughs> Yeah. And then after a while, you know, like as you grow, I mean, you could probably, you probably felt some sort of this way too. Like you just kind of fall out of love with the music, but you still love the performing aspect of it. So you're kind of like, there's, there's a moment of limbo where you're like, well, what am I going to do after this? Yeah. And so that's what happened to me. I, at 2018, I stopped doing music and I was like, yo, I don't have like, like just video games. I need another hobby, you know? So something where I can like express this creative outlet. <clears throat> and then, uh, you know, I, I moved to Belgium like right after that and they don't have stand-up in Belgium. And if they did, it would be all in French. So I just be like, blah, 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 French. They would, they would just <laughs> yeah. like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? Why does he have holes in his ears? You know, they just wouldn't, they w it was like a waste of time. Cause they have like, you know, little American spots over there where people who speak English get together and do like slam poetry. It's just like a creative night. So I was like, mm -hmm. I could go to, I could go do stand up there for fun, but we're talking like people that are like doing slam poetry. They're not there to like, hey, you know what's funny about penises? They're get out of here, dude. You know what I mean? So there's no way I'm going to do that. So I had to wait until I actually come back to the states to find that secondary creative outlet. When you were uh, playing music, did you go on tours? Did you have any type of like uh, glimpse of success or anything with any type of bands that you were working with? Yeah. So like I said, I got out specifically from the military to tour and never mm -hmm. toured. Never toured. I, no. was, I was so sure that like the band that I was in when I got out, I was like, we were doing really well. We were popular in the local area. Granted, it was small. And I was like, dude, this is it. We're going to tour. And we had plans. We bought a house together. It was, it was serious, you know? So 
like we were basically all in a relationship. And then for some reason, we just could never get that tour put together. It's like you got four or five people in this group and only, you know, two people are doing the work. It just takes forever. And then you lose motivation, you hyper-focus on stuff and then you, you stop paying attention to it. So never got to tour, man. The, the, height of, the height of my success was like playing the House of Blues on the Strip uh-huh. as part of like a, it was like a battle for Knot Fest, like Slipknot Fest type deal. So we got picked, the band that I was in, to perform in this battle. The bands, probably like 200 something people there. It was like one of the biggest shows I ever played. So that was the height of my success. I never really did anything amazing. Definitely not on the, the same level as you. I didn't get to go tour around the country or anything like that but i mean it was it was fun and it was a small tight-knit community and i really feel like it was like wow what a good what an experience you know what so was that competition to play not fest in vegas or to go on tour with not fest uh they i think it was in southern california so they would have like little regional battle of the bands uh-huh. for people to get selected to go and like play like the worst stage where there's like four people and you your slot it's like 9 30 a.m like, nope, yeah. like everyone's still like passed out from the night before or just not yeah. there yet, you know? So you're like playing for your parents. But I mean, really, it's just like, you know how it is with like anything in entertainment. Like you're just trying to get your foot in the door. Yeah. Just like, just to make some kind of progress too, as a musician or whatever type of entertainer. It's like what you do this for. What was that band called? That band was called Man Made God. And we had Man Made God. Yeah. There's, um, I want to say it's like an industrial metal band. It's not though. I think it's more of like, like a dad butt rock band from California <laughs> with the same name. And I remember they, they sent us a message on Twitter, basically pretending to be a lawyer saying that if we didn't change our band name, that they were going to have to take like legal action. I was like, we like, we just were a nothing band in Las Vegas, dude. Like these guys were like actually popular and they had like national attention and popular songs. None, none that I could name and anyone would know, but they were doing better than us. But they're also like in their 40s and 50s. So it's kind of like, hey, we were here first. And I was like, these guys are gatekeeping this fucking name right now. Just retire. Like, if you don't change your band name, uh, we're going to fucking sue you. <laughs> we were like, okay, cool. Go ahead. Like, like, we basically dared them to do it. Like, that was the yeah. highlight of our thing. Like, we had this Twitter beef with this band that ended up like breaking up, I think, like a year later. And while, mm. and now Man Made God is still a band and still doing things like it's like past the torch, grandpa, it's okay to let other people express themselves, you know? And that's kind of how I felt about it. I was like, God, these guys are so like, what a toxic community sometimes. Yeah. Musicians. That's funny. What, what, what other bands names do you have going on? Oh my God. So I, I started playing music during like the screamo emo popular yeah. time frame. So a lot of post hardcore bands and stuff where they'd have dumb names like um sky eats airplane stuff like that so i I was in (laughs) it's just weird stuff like that so i was in a band the first band i was ever in i was like the second vocalist so they had like the main vocalist who's like a rock guy who's like yeah singing like that and shit Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. so i was just supposed to be like the chorus screamer guy like i would just yell the parts that he couldn't yell because he's like i can't scream but i want to so he brought me in just to do that and we were called uh dawn of defeat and then Dawn of Defeat. And it was just a bunch of um like basically army reservist dudes and then me. And they were yeah. and they were all like 10 years older than I was. And I was just like, I'm in a band, and that's all I cared about. Because I I like found them on MySpace classifieds, dude. Like that's how long ago I started this off. But but anyway, there's a lot of funny names. Like I was in a band called Lacerations of Affection. Like 
like when people would ask me what that is, like what our band name is, I'd be embarrassed. I'd be like, fuck, like I like playing the music. <laughs> yeah. I just wish it wasn't called this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Lacerations of affection. Like what's wrong with you? I'm like, I'm just sad inside. You know, like I felt like I'd have to like play along, but that's your band. You're the vocalist. I'm like, but I didn't, you know, I joined the band after it was already named as like their new vocalist. And I remember trying to convince them, like, can we please just like change it right now? Like to something, yeah. anything else? I don't like, call us the fucking, who cares? The stop sign. It does anything but what this is right now. So laceration of affection. Yeah. It's, it's funny. It's, 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 it's hard. It, coming up with band names that are hard and then you'll be like stoked on it, you know? And then uh, it's just like, oh man, this sounds really stupid. Like, just gonna look bad on shirts and then <laughs> yeah, doing like, yeah. so especially when it's like that long lacerations of affection, where you gotta like do one on top near the titties and then put the of in the middle and then affection. Like, dude, that's so many letters. Like, what if what yeah. band is this even? Like, just make it a logo, break it down yeah. to like a three letter alg or a acronym, bro. Yeah, but yeah. So, and then your other bands sound like they're video game names. Oh man, like y'all are definitely like gamers. Yeah, yeah. So, um, <laughs> I think the other bands I was, ugh, man, so Mammy got already said. Oh, I was in a band called Mephetic Origins. That was the last band I was in, and there's like an alien themed band. Another one I joined afterwards. So when people be like, "What's your band name?" Oh, it's uh -huh. Mephetic Origins. I'm like, "Oh, what does that mean?" I'm like, "I'm not actually sure." <laughs> like I just got here, so I'm I'm just you know yeah. just screaming into the mic. That's it, you know. Yeah, I don't know what that means, yeah. but it sounds cool. I'm just here to do the vocals, <laughs> and then I go home. Yeah. I'm 34, you know. <laughs> I don't have time yeah. for this. So, but yeah, man. Do you still fuck around with music now? Um, I mean, sometimes. Like, I still have a lot of friends in the scene there that are still doing stuff, and they're like, "Hey, you should do like guest vocals on stuff." But really, I've just, I just don't, I don't feel it in my heart anymore, bro. So I'm, I've completely abandoned it, you know. Yeah. Not even doing the singer-songwriter stuff. Well, because nope. you could play guitar, right? Nope, just vocals. Like, I was like just a one-trick pony. Okay. Yeah. I was no, I get that. As a drummer, I get that for sure. Yeah. I can't do nothing else. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you're I mean, you're the backbone of the band. I feel like saying I can only play drums, but it's like what percentage of people can. More people can be vocalists, I feel like, because all you really have to yeah. do is get up there and hope people like you enough to, you know. It's... Anyway, but yeah. Skill. No, I mean... Yeah, drums is a lot like comedy. Like anybody could be a, a comic, anybody could be a drummer. Are you good though? True. Are you good? Like True. that's that's where. But everybody, like shit, everybody could say that they're a drummer if they like just drop something <laughs> on the floor. Just that buy made a drum a set. <laughs> or just buy a drum set. Yeah, you don't yeah, have to play like, it. Just yeah. just have it in your house, and then when people come over, like yeah, I play that. I'm like oh, show me. Like it's too loud. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just lying. But all you need to do to add it to your your social bio is like buy a drum set, and now you're a drummer. <laughs> Same thing with comedy. All you need to do is one uh, open mic. One open mic, and uh, yeah, that that's it. Dude, speaking of comedy, I think we we talked about this before, but isn't that like so absurd to like call yourself a comic because you do open mics? Like that's how I felt about like being a musician. Like, are you you're a musician? Like, I just do it as a hobby. Like, I didn't like claiming that label. Did you ever feel that way? It's weird. Like musicians, I think it, it's it's automatically given to you. I, I get that. You know, if you could play an instrument, if you could play on stage, if you could create a song, you're a musician automatically. Right? Yep. With comedy, I just I think it takes a little bit longer before you yeah. get that title. It's very weird. It's very weird bringing like being introduced like okay the next comedian coming up I was like oh fuck they well they're not talking about me it's somebody else yeah like, oh yeah. somebody cut me in line that's what it makes you feel like I think it's it's very weird and I I don't know maybe people 
would take me more serious if I did give into the whole I am a comedian uh, title, label, yeah. whatever. But I just, I don't think I've earned it yet. I'm working at it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Not, I'm, I'm not saying I should, it. I shouldn't say I agree you don't deserve it, but I agree with that feeling. I agree that you're like, it feels gross, like knighting yourself. That's kind of what I equate it to is like, I feel like, like Queen Elizabeth has to come like tap me with a sword and then say, okay, you're a comedian now. Like whatever, Mitzi Shore's dead, but whatever the equivalent to her in the comedy scene is like somebody else has to knight you a comic yeah. who is a comic before you can be a comic. Like, I feel like it has to be somebody who's already like in the game and has been knighted before you. And then they can yeah. knight you, but other people that's your mom can't be like, he's a comic. It doesn't work like that. Cause for a little while, cause I had to fill out a W nine for, for LOL, the comedy club here in San Antonio. Oh, wow. I was like, does that mean, am, am I a comedian now? Okay. Now that I'm, I, I fill out tax papers. Yeah, for dude. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I was like, like at, at first I was like in, in that, in that zone, in that headspace. But yeah. then I was like, no, it's just tax purposes. <laughs> that dude. doesn't mean anything. <laughs> but though, I think that's, that's far more legitimate than completing open mics. You've got like tangible evidence. You're like, yo, a business that does comedy is making me, giving me money for it. So I feel like that's kind of, that might be paper form of saying, Hey, you're a comic now. Like you've been yeah. knighted. Where's your W9? Uh, Make everybody show their W9 before they yeah. <laughs> carry that bitch around your wallet like an ID. Yeah, now I got to claim this if I do a hundred more shows with them. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so uh, how'd you start? How'd you start comedy? I mean, you, you kind of said that you made the switch from music to comedy, but when did that actually happen? So very, very, very late in my life for me. So I'm 36 right now. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't start my first open mic ever that I ever did was in Las Vegas in 2018. I want to say it was like March of 2018 or something like that. Mm -hmm. I just went to a random dive bar open mic and I was like, cool, I'll watch and I'll see how it is. And then I'll go up. And it was so empty. There was like four people there. I was like, I guess I have to go up or else I'm just the only fan here. Yeah. I just look weird. So I ended up going up and I made two people laugh. So that, that's the affirmation you need to keep going though, right? Like you, why you do comedy is you're like, oh, I'm seeking acceptance from the group. So I make jokes or whatever, you know, and plus you want to be part of the community. So you make other comics laugh and shit like that. So I got that little itty bitty, like adrenaline. High. I was like, oh shit, I can do this. And so I started going into mics every Wednesday and eating plates of shit, like yeah. bombing in ways that made me question if I really knew how to be an adult. I was like, what am I doing <laughs> with my yeah. free time right now? I'm just coming to a building, waiting for two hours so I can feel the worst that I felt this month for five minutes afterwards. Like it's, and then the rest of your night's ruined because you, you bombed super hard. Like yeah. I, I had it so bad that I had a host come up and like, t I wasn't even done. They didn't light me. He just came. He's like, anyway, so just grabbed the mic from me. I was like, okay. And then I walked Damn. off stage. Yeah. That's so I've, I mean, I just feel like it's like you think you can do comedy because you watch other people do it and you love it. And you're like, oh, I love comedy. I admire comedians. It's something I'd like to do. I'd like to be part of this community. Kind of like with music, there's like a kinship with other musicians. That's really close bond that you form with them. It's just interesting. Mm -hmm. So I remember just like aspiring to do that, but then continuously like eating shit, like so like bombing so bad where I was just like, okay, this is. I clearly have no fucking idea what I'm doing. And I think that's mm -hmm. the thing that a lot of people that are like, I can do comedy or I aspire to do comedy. Like until you do a mic and you eat it like super hard consecutively, mm -hmm. like you don't realize like I'm still a baby in the game. Like I'm just starting out and I recognize that already. So I, 
I admire people that have been doing this for like eight, 10, 12 years. And they're like, yeah, sometimes I still eat plates of shit. I'm like, damn, dude, the mental resolve required for that. But yeah, so I started in, in Las Vegas and then I got a job offer like five months later. So I did it for about five months there uh, to go work in Belgium for NATO. And so I dipped the fuck out because it was a lot of money and a cool experience. Oh yeah. yeah. So I lived there for about a year and like, that was the joke I was calling back to is the, how I was like trying to find a way to do comedy out in Belgium on this military uh-huh. base. and just a bunch of like French speaking people and, or like military folks of varying different backgrounds. And they had like a slam poetry night and I'm like, maybe I'll go out there. And no, dude, I went to one and there was like this old lady like shrieking up there. Like she would just go up there and like shriek. Like, you know how old women go, ah, like shriek. Not all of them, but particularly this lady. So, Like as part of a, a poetry reading? Yeah, I couldn't really figure out what it was because I got, as I walked in, she did it twice, but in the span of like a minute. It was quiet oh, wow. and it was like some like visual artistry thing somebody was saying. I was like, what the hell is happening right now? I asked a stranger. They're like, oh, it's like a visual artistry. And I was like, okay, I don't think this is the stand-up, stand-up comedy mic that I thought it was. Like, <laughs> yeah. how am I supposed they're, to follow that? This is a lady screaming. Like, <laughs> Yeah, they're like, do you feel scared? That's art. <laughs> yes. that, and it was the, seriously, to this day, one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. Like, I've never seen anything like that. I played, you know, fucking metal shows where they're supposed to scream, and I was yeah. never so uncomfortable in my life. I was like, well, is she going to, like, mert? Are you guys being held hostage in here? What's going on? You know, so. But, yeah, yeah. so then I, I moved to San Antonio after um, my contract was up in Belgium and just – Jumped headfirst right back into it uh, as soon as I got here and got settled back in January. What, what brought you to San Antonio? Uh, the job market. Really. Oh, the job. Yeah, so it's a big IT hub here. A lot of military bases. So there's a lot of job uh-huh. opportunity for me. I have friends that live here that kind of do that stuff. So, And I like that it's a medium-sized city. Like coming from Vegas, like I knew I couldn't like go live in like, like Bisbee, Arizona. You know, I have to like live somewhere where there's like more than one Walmart. And I, I need like kind of like a metropolitan hub. And also I was thinking like somewhere I could, you know, do stand up just for fun. What was, what was the scene like in, 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 in Vegas? You're, you're performing to all tourists. You're performing to all people of different walks of life. So like, what was the comedy scene there? Like becoming like building up there. So keep in mind, my, my time there was brief. So I can't really say like from a, um, an insider perspective, but just from the little bit I saw from the scene there, it's very, like compartmentalized like here in san antonio i feel like the scene is kind of it's 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 small but you can mm-hmm. see everybody right they're like hey come to the tiger and or do dojo or whatever they'll like invite like everyone's very like inviting and cool where mm-hmm. in vegas everyone's like fuck you you're not funny you're not part of this group like they'll just like if you go up and do open mics like i did they will shit on you every chance they get <laughs> they will heckle you they will, if they follow you, they'll talk about your set. They'll be like, who the fuck was this guy? And what the fuck was he talking about? And they'll just, they'll make their set making fun of you. Shit like oh, that. Yeah. Where you're like, yeah. yo, that is brutal, bro. I'm just doing this as a hobby. And you're up there just like trying to end my personality because, you know, you don't have a set. Like they were just very cutthroat and very gatekeepery there. But, uh-huh. and so, and the reason was that that was because it's a, hard as fuck to do what you were saying to get into those rooms where you pay for you play in front of tourists and you mm-hmm. make a fuck ton of money like to get a residency and shit so it was very cutthroat from what i saw like people were very adamant about the money aspect as opposed to like moving up and becoming a better performer they were just focused on like how do i get this gig playing the mirage 
two nights a week and making this amount of money, like having a contract and shit like that. So it was, that's what I saw from it. You don't really get the, the tourist aspect of it, like getting to play for all kinds of different people all the time. Because most open mics you do are in the local area and local Las Vegas area. It, you're not going to get like tourists out there. They're all going to be near or around the strip or Fremont mm. street. So, you, and that's not, that's not where any of these open mics are at. So there's a lot of like, uh, I guess compartmentalized zones of comedy. Like I'm saying, like the difference is here in San Antonio, like I said, it's, it's all, I feel like we're all like part of the same brick and there was like 75 different bricks of people doing comedy. So, yeah, the scene here is a little bit weird. It's, it's, it's small. Like you recognize people that do it more than once a week, you know, yep. or at least that's, that was the case before everything popped off. Have you been going out? Like I know mics have been uh, opening up here and there, uh recently but uh so have you been able to get back out there actually i did jump at the first chance to go just because you know uh you just miss it after a while like that performing aspect so um, yeah. the oak hills is is doing um open mics on wednesdays now and so i'm good friends with uh, the girl who runs at carrie reyes shout out to carrie reyes yeah and so yeah she let me know and i i jumped at the first chance i got to get out there and start doing it again so and there's been crowds, so it's been it's been pretty cool, man. Yeah. So uh, how how was the writing process during the downtime? Like, what were you? Oh, man, uh, what spent, were you focused on? I spent so much time not writing anything, like at all. I, I wrote <laughs> yeah. I wrote no new jokes. Didn't go over my old ones. Like I have a, a notepad on my phone where I write everything down, like all of my bits, uh-huh. all my ideas, everything. So uh-huh. I got a new phone, and I was so like not committed to doing comedy anymore that I just didn't transfer any of my old notes over. So I like got this new phone and haven't been writing any bits. It, I just went in to the last mic with like the last bit I was working on. No new shit at all. And I just, I've been working that same fucking bit over and over again since yeah. then. So. I, I think you said something interesting that, uh, that was like, you were possibly thinking that you weren't going to do comedy again. Yep. Right. So I, I think that's why, um, it's hard for for newer comics to kind of get in the in the circle of the people that have been doing it for a long time because they're pretty much just waiting for people to fall off. They're people they're waiting for people to not put in the time, not put in the effort to pretty much just just stop. And so it'll be interesting to see what what the sign up sheet looks like when the pandemic's over. Yeah, when sure. everybody's free to get out there. Who gave up? Because I I know a few That's people. Point. I know a few people who were. You know, I'm a comedian. I'm I'm a comedian now. I do comedy. I'm this is all I do. And then when everything uh, popped off, they're like, "Okay, well, I don't do that anymore. That's not my identity." Yeah. And I'm just like, "Damn, dude." So you mean <laughs> like, they just like totally drop that part of their personality? Like, yeah, I use. I'm an ex comedian. You're like already? Like it's only been in two weeks. So, yeah, something like that, you know. And I don't, I don't want to name names. Sure, I mean, sure. everybody does their own, their own thing, you know. I, I know where where my head's at, and I know even though I'm taking breaks off, like I did a show last night, and I, oh, pro- I think this is good. that's going to be my last show, uh, for a while, unfortunately, you know, because uh, I don't want to, I don't want to go out and and be around crowds and people while this stuff is still COVID stuff, you know, s- s- COVID stuff. Yeah, gotcha. Now that but, makes sense. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure how I feel about going anymore, but I did do the last two mics and I can't I can't lie and say it wasn't awesome because it was. 
but I definitely do like what you feel about it where you're like, ah, I don't want to be around people. I'm starting to feel that way too, because obviously anyone who pays attention to the news knows that like we're ramping up again and it feels like what is it's like the third time or is it the second yeah. time? It's hard to really even tell, but it, it feels like it's never ending because we go through these cycles of going home, not doing anything else, waiting for a couple months, um, pandemic fatigue sets in and then people start to trickle out. And I've done this too. I'm definitely guilty where you're like, ah, I'm just going to same. Yeah. I'm just going to go out with friends this night, this one night. I won't do it anymore. Cause like you get like, you're, you're trapped in this like groundhog day scenario. It sucks. Where yeah. Every day feels the same time feels like it's standing still. And somehow it's December almost, you know? Yeah. So I gotta be more careful. Have you, have you done a, a COVID test? Um, I have not. And you know, what's funny is I should, because my girl's a nurse and she actively treats COVID patients. Like we had to sleep in oh, separate wow. bedrooms for like eight months. I think I only recently moved back in, back in because she stopped treating COVID patients. Cause we're not doing so bad here in Bear County anymore, but mm-hmm. it's starting to ramp up again. So it's looking like I might have to move out again, but yeah, I, it's definitely something I've thought about, especially, um, uh, because I work in an area like around military folks and they go everywhere. So, but I've been pretty good. I've always got the mask on. Even like when I do the mics, like I don't take my mask off. I just do, I just ninja mic the mask, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I mean, now that I say it all out loud, I feel like I'm not doing enough. But <laughs> yeah, I, I get that too, man. Cause like I, I'm saying, like, oh, I'm going to stop now. But I mean, when you go out there and it's, it, that's just how, how people are, you know, if they're out, they start getting comfortable. They let their guard down, yeah. their mask off, they're drinking, they're laughing and good. I mean, that's what, the, that's what they were. That's what they're supposed to, not what they're supposed to do, but that's what they're looking to do. Right. They're looking to fucking have, go out and have a good time. And should we be doing that? Probably not. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, uh, I don't know, man. I, I feel guilty about it too, because I'm, I'm like, I, I hop back and forth. I'm taking this seriously. Okay, now I'm going out with yeah. just a couple of friends. Now I'm gonna do one show, but we're social distance. <laughs> yeah. Now we're, you know, like I keep moving. I keep moving where my stance on it. But I need to. I need to do better for sure. No, I mean, I, I get what you're saying, man. I just think it's the human condition, dude. Like we all go through different cycles, and our some cycles are longer than others, or shorter than others. Of being able to just stay home. I think after a while, yeah. you're just kind of like, yo, I, I've been in this house for too long and I just need to go outside. Like I'll go walk my dogs because I feel that way just because I'm like, yo, I, gotta, I just got to get the sun to hit me in the face so I can stop taking these D vitamins and shit like that. <laughs> yeah. Just, so I get it. Like I don't, I don't feel like people who don't follow it as stringently are like bad people necessarily. They just have like a smaller threshold of being able to just stay in the house as opposed to somebody like me who's like an introvert i love being at the house but even after a while for me i'm like yo i gotta get outside so i'll go do a mic or something like that that i shouldn't nah, be doing. yeah so yeah that i shouldn't be doing and stuff and like last night i don't like to try out new bits uh at a show but because i'm not doing open mics i tried out a couple new bits and i, I bailed on one because i got lit like right when I was getting into it, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> like that was about like my sister, my sister coming out, you know, my sister's gay, and I was gonna go into a bit about that, and then I got lit. I was like, well, never mind. Apparently, my sister's not gay since I don't have time to get into it. <laughs> so I just fucking bailed and started closing on on something that I knew that worked. Yeah, but uh, the getting that itch, like, oh, working on new jokes is so fucking fun, you know. Yeah. But at the same time, like, I I just I just can't. I can't do that. Yeah, no, you're right. We definitely shouldn't be out there doing that. 
but I guess I just sympathize with the, the desire and trying to like out, you're trying to convince yourself that you can't do this, even though the, the threat doesn't seem so imminent. Like you're like, yeah, but like, am I going to get COVID? Like, that's not the point. Like you're supposed to do like best practice shit and be logical yeah. and smart and care about other people as well. But I feel like, like I said, everyone suffers from the human condition where we're like, I want these things though. And it's just how mentally strong are you and for how long? Cause I mean, Dude, in March, it's going to be a year. And that's only a couple months away. It's crazy. It's insane. Insane. Crazy. Would, would you uh, sign up for the, uh, the testing or the vaccinations? Yeah, I don't know. I've been, because I was one of those dudes the whole time. Or I was like, of course. Like, when I would see news about the, va the vaccine, I was like, absolutely, I'll take it. Absolutely. Like, why wouldn't I? And now that uh -huh. it's here, I'm like, yeah, but it's, that was fast. And I'm nervous yeah. and I'm nervous, especially because like I said, my girl's a nurse. I was asking her about it. I was like, yo, what do you think about the vaccine? She was like, no, absolutely not. And I was like, oh, well then fuck. Because if I'm all about it in this medical professional is like, you shouldn't do that. I'm not, I, I've got no legs to stand on. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm, I'm definitely on the fence about it. I think kind of like with the PS5, I'm going to let other people go get it first. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then yeah. I'll eventually make my way over to that line to buy one. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah now I'm the, I'm the same way man i've heard nothing but uh well i've heard mixed reviews but you know it's not good to have mixed reviews on something that you want 100 percent uh to to work you know yeah like, definitely ah, something they're gonna I'm inject not a, in your body <laughs> yeah yeah like i'm not a, i'm not i'm not saying that i would never get the vaccine i just i'm not gonna be in the first group yeah not first couple of groups not till they put <laughs> you know? those side effects out that's what i want to know like yo what are the side effects because if they're like it, it'll cure covid but your penis will fall from your body i'm like well then shit you know yeah i need to yeah. know what what severity of risk i'm looking at here just as a human <laughs> being yeah like if it says weight gain and hair loss i was like all right well i'm already there so i'll <laughs> sign me up you know <laughs> you're like just give me, me something i've already got i don't mind doubling up <laughs> yeah <laughs> It's all the pre-existing conditions. <laughs> yeah. I got that. It's going to make I'm you tall and skinny and very homosexual <laughs> yeah. looking. Dude, yeah. Give me some more of that shit. Uh, so let me ask you this. Uh, you, you keep up with uh, with Chappelle, Dave Chappelle? Uh, yes, definitely. All right. He, he is definitely an icon in my opinion. So you saw that, that Unforgiven video? Well, because I wanted to get your take on this. But he what he did, he put out a video... And now everybody's doing the hashtag boy, boycott Chappelle show. Okay, yeah. So that's I thought that's what you're going to talk about, but you said unforgiven. I was like, this is maybe it's different buzzword. I don't know what the fuck this is. I'm googling it. For is that is that what it's called? Unforgiven, unforgettable. I don't know. Uh, un un something okay. where he would he he put out a little bit about how he what he feels. Uh, uh, Netflix, or no, Comedy Central and Viacom are doing him wrong. What are your thoughts on that? Okay. Yep. Okay, we're on the same page. Yeah, so okay. fully, so when it, I first saw Netflix put out Chappelle Show, I'm not going to lie, I watched it because obviously yeah. it's iconic. Chappelle Show. It's a Chappelle Show, bro. And uh, then I, I saw his, his uh, I watched his um, Sticks and Stones special recently, mm -hmm, and he talks mm -hmm. about how the Chappelle Show fucked him on money. And that's when I was like, oh, shit, I'm connecting the dots now because I've seen other comics or just people in general like, don't watch the Chappelle show. And I'm like, why? I just never took the time to really investigate until recently. But yeah, I definitely think that knowing what we know now about how this, his whole like de departure from the show, because obviously after two seasons, it was killing it. And he just left and it was confusing for us at the time. But we know now why, like knowing that he got screwed out of so much money 
like, yeah, of course we should, we should support him any way we can. Like it's, I, I own the Chappelle show on DVD. I can watch it. It's fine. I'm not going to give Netflix that support. Right. Like that's the whole thing behind it. Yeah. Here's my thing. I love Dave Chappelle. I, he's the goat hands down. Definitely. He's a great thinker, great yeah. performer, all that. Now, Comedy Central made Chappelle a household name, right? Great. Like, Comedy Central put Dave Chappelle, the person, the comic, they put him on the map, right? I mean, he had that killing, killing them softly, but that didn't really gain traction until after Chappelle show, for me personally. You know, agree. Chappelle, Chappelle show introduced me to Dave Chappelle, and then I started looking back at his. You know, I mean, everybody saw Half Baked, yeah, good, bad, probably not. You know, whatever. Robin Hood Men in Tights, shout out. <laughs> Robin, Robin Hood Men in Tights was good, but that wasn't really Dave Dave Chappelle. Nope. He was just. He <laughs> I'm was trying just to think of there. other Dave Chappelle stuff before the the Chappelle show. I think he was in a movie called Screwed as well. Uh, yeah, haven't seen that. Nope, haven't seen that. But they, but the Chappelle show was amazing. It was it was great. Now, as an artist, and that's what he's saying. As, you know, when the, when the contract says artist, he should have better understood mm. what the contract was saying, what the contract was was giving him. I get like, you. Was he too? Uh, anxious to get it signed to get the deal inked i mean possibly nobody i mean when the contract's being written and signed they didn't know what the Chappelle show was going to do right no that's very true they didn't know that it was going to be such a huge success till afterwards and it was huge huge success yeah uh made comedy central a lot of money gave them a lot of uh traffic you know I know that he said that he tried to send it to HBO and HBO didn't want it. But at the same time, okay, HBO would not have made Chappelle show as big as Comedy Central was. Everybody, almost everybody had basic cable. Almost True. everybody had access to, to Comedy Central. Not everybody had access to, to HBO, you know? That's true. You, you ever hear of Mr. Show? I've heard of it, yeah. So Mr. Show is, is per, just as funny as Chappelle's show but not as accessible because it was on HBO, right? Now, musicians do get fucked all the time. Am I like I don't I don't disagree that he he's getting screwed. I don't disagree that Dave Chappelle is getting screwed in this deal. But that's the business of mm, it. I see what you mean. So you think that him trying to boycott Chappelle's show is kind of like a a, a misstep on his part. It looks bad. It looks it looks bad. It makes and, him look um you you do you feel like it makes him look um I guess immature or like uh childish? No, no, not childish, not immature. I mean, he sh- he deserves to be angry. He got a raw deal and they they are screwing him cuz they're making the money off of the Chappelle show and Dave Chappelle's not making any money off of that. But it wasn't that in in writing already? Yeah, but I guess maybe it's it's like the fact that the industry can prey on people like that, that's an issue to begin with. Right. Like, so if we're kind of like try to equate this argument, like saying like, 
yeah, well, those immigrants should have known it's illegal to come here, you know, that kind of thing. I feel like it's, they have more, the, the studios and executives and the industry has too much power and like the whole cool thing about like podcasts and stuff like that. When a comic like has legit production behind it and makes a lot of money from it is that they have creative control and then the money is like properly distributed. It's like, well, I'm the content creator here. So, well, yeah. so without me, you're just a company with money to spend. So, yeah. so maybe that's an argument for Chappelle in, in this particular uh, light because I can see how you could make an argument for it. Like, hey, this is fucked up because it's predatory in nature as opposed yeah. to, you know, he should have read the contract, which I'm not disagreeing with either. So you, could, you can argue both, but I just think there's two sides to it, man. But Chappelle's not the first one to get screwed. And I'm not, I'm, I won't disagree with the fact that he's getting screwed. I agree with that 100%. But he's not, he's not the first one. This happens to bands all the time. Definitely. They don't own their masters. They don't own the rights to the song. More, more times than not, when you see bands put out a remixed, remastered, re-recorded album, that means because they want those songs back. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Because those those albums or those tracks belong to the record label. Wow. So the because, so sorry to interrupt you, but the the remaster is just them redoing their songs because they they don't own their masters. Correct. Wow, I didn't know that. Correct. That's crazy. Because because the name is there. The name is there. I don't have a, a band in particular to give an example, but like that's that's pretty much why they re re release stuff. That's crazy. You know. I did not know and, that. I mean, I can think of a handful of bands that I listen to that nobody will know um, that have done that. And I've always wondered, like, why do they do that? Because it never sounds quite the same. It's not always yeah. as good. And now I get, I get it now. Okay. Yeah. And then you'll notice that they release under their own imprint or their own record label. Like, that's them taking their stuff back and then re repurposing it, yeah. reusing it and stuff. Oh. Because they got a raw deal to begin with, with the, the first record label that, had, that owns that music. Yeah that owns those recordings. They own the recordings. They don't own that song. So they could re-record that song and re-release it with somebody else and then start making money for themselves on top of that. Bro, that's interesting. I did not know that. I just learned something today. Well, I mean, that's that's the whole thing about like, because it, it, artist contracts are, are, are set for the company. They're not set to... Yeah to make the artist successful. Right. It's very rare. I mean, it, it's supposed to look like that. Like people celebrate being signed by record labels, but is it a celebration? Right. Or now what does their contract yeah. say? Yeah. It doesn't feel as like, it doesn't feel like the golden ticket or the winning lottery ticket. Like it used to, like when Not you hear anymore. people say that, especially when you know about like certain guys, like what Mac Miller was somebody who did that. He was like, I'm just going to do my own thing. And he controlled all of his own content and he was immensely popular and rich because of it. Did all yeah, of his own uh, shows and stuff too. Yeah, and, and like nowadays, I mean, like SoundCloud, YouTube, you could use all that stuff. If yeah. you're smart and you know how to work the system, you could use all that stuff and keep the money in-house. Yeah. Before, it wasn't like that. Be before, you needed record labels. You needed Comedy Central. You needed yep. HBO. The gatekeepers you know? of distribution, right? So yeah, yeah. You don't get known unless you're known by them. Yeah, so it's it's tough, man. Like, and I see people like supporting Dave Chappelle just to blindly support Dave Chappelle, yeah. and I and I That's get me. that. I agree that he's getting screwed. I agree that this sucks that he's not getting paid for the Chappelle show, but at the same time, Comedy Central and Viacom helped put Dave Chappelle on the map. 
We yeah. all know who Dave Chappelle is because of this. So now we could enjoy what does belong to him. And it sucks to say it like that, what does belong to him, because it all should be yeah. Dave Chappelle. It is a bad contract. Yeah. Uh, it sucks. But, man... I'm gonna watch the Chappelle show if I can. Where oh, I yeah. can, when I can. <laughs> I just bought, I went out and bought the DVDs. I'm not sorry, Dave. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, seriously, that's... when it came off of Netflix, I went on Amazon and just ordered them because I, I forgot <laughs> that I can do that because it's 2020, and now I just watch them on my old DVD player. It's like yeah. So like I don't so... help him. I did what he said, kind of, <laughs> but yeah. also I'm sorry I own these things now. So. Yeah, but I know I, it's. I mean, it's going to be a very unpopular opinion because yeah, I am going against Dave Chappelle. Uh, I mean, it means nothing. I'm just a drop in the bucket. Like my, what I say, what I think doesn't mean anything. But I'm just like, it, it. It was very weird that that little special, that clip that he did, talking about like what he what he got taken away, and then oh, it's just right after he put out sticks and stones talking about people who are too sensitive he's like i called netflix and i told him you're hurting my feelings i was like dave come on man oh come shit on. i didn't know he said that so here's the thing i you said that this is like an unpopular opinion also people should understand that like we don't know all the details like we're just don't know all the details this is an authentic yeah. reaction this is like what happens in most american households you know so people go hey why the fuck isn't it perfect like chill out <laughs> yeah we don't know everything I'm I'm very much a fan of two sides or to every story. Sure. Is it two sides or three sides? Nope. His two, side, definitely two. My side and the yeah. truth or something. I mean, you can add a third, I'm sure, but I, they usually say the saying goes, there's two sides to every story. Two sides to every story. And because people don't investigate in the the other side of the story. They don't investigate. They they listen to one one story and that's all. That, now I'm going to make a decision. No, yeah. you got to fucking you got to get all the information together. Yeah. It's the American you know? way it, though, bro. That's how we roll here. For it some sucks, reason. Dude. We're, Everybody's so impulsive to make a decision yeah. on the the small amount of information that, that that they're given. Yeah. It's tough. I mean, I think you could say like the the pandemic allowed us time to look more in depth into shit, right? Like to be like, "Oh, let's like really see what's going on here." And that's probably why like the QAnon conspiracy exploded. And uh, yeah. there's like a large majority of people who believe that now that they legitimately believe like Donald Trump is here to save America from the globalists and whatnot. Like I did, a, I did an episode about because this conspiracy is so like interesting to me because it's so popular right now. And there's like people being elected into like like the Georgia's 14th congressional district is um, manned by a woman who believes that QAnon conspiracy. Like she's like, yeah, it's real. JFK oh, Jr. Yeah. And you're like, oh, wow, people voted for you to be in charge of making decisions. And she's like, yeah, also, uh, JFK Jr. will be here soon, so get the fuck out of my office. You're just like, yo, what the fuck? How does this happen? So, I mean, I feel like we're in, like, the infancy, like, as socially as a country of, like, waking up to, like, what's going on around us. Because if you think about, like, 10 years ago, like, paying this close attention to politics, we weren't doing that shit. No, I still don't. But a lot of people get down like that. Like you, 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 you really dig deep into like conspiracies and all yeah, that. Yeah, I'm fascinated by uh, the because we all exist in the same plane of reality. In my in uh -huh. my head, I'm like, yo, you see what I see, and they're like, nope. There's Jesus is actually right there over there, brother. You need to look uh -huh. closely. You know, I'm not knocking people that are religious. I just think it's fascinating that we all have the same information coming into our heads based on our surroundings but we yeah. have different conclusions as to what's going on, which is like crazy to me. Watch That's why I do like conspiracy stuff. And like, I'm, I was fascinated by religion for a long time. 
And it's just, I don't know. People are interesting to me, man. That's why I like to talk to them. Like, yo, why do you think this wild shit though? And they'll explain it to you. And you're like, that's kind of dumb, but I don't want to make them feel bad either. So I just go continue, you know? Like I dig people that are passionate about their ideas and their, their thoughts to me personally, I think it has to be so exhausting. I think it has to be so exhausting to be a truth seeker, yeah. uh, to want to know the stories, to want to know how everything works. I mean, I'm just not that inquisitive, partly out of laziness. (laughs) And two, if I get carried away with stuff, that's going to bum me out. That bums me out. That stresses me out. And I don't need that stuff. But more than more, more so, I'm just lazy. <laughs> yeah, dude. No, I mean, and I, I, I respect that. Like, I think that's good. Like, I think that's like if you don't feel like this inherent need to know the truth, then that's all. That's fine. But also, like, if you're gonna be that dude, just understand that you might not know what's going on. You, yeah. You know what I mean? You might be like, oh, I didn't know that, or it's okay to not know shit because I feel like that's the problem with you know when you try to talk to people about stuff like just in America, is they'll be like, no, that's not true, and you're like but you don't know that like you haven't yeah. done any research. You're just saying you don't like how that sounds. You know what I mean? So I feel like it's up to us to kind of like be better in that way. And I'm hoping maybe that that'll happen with this uh, forced social distancing where we really have to like dig into our feelings and like feel like figure out why we are the way we are type deal. Go, basically what I'm trying to say, everybody's go to counseling. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you, you go to counseling? You have a therapist? Uh, I did for a long time, but not since I, I got to San Antonio. I did one session with a woman and she kept trying to convince me that I was fine. And I was just like, yo, like, that's not why I'm doing this. You know, <laughs> if, I, yeah. if I really thought I was just wanted like affirmation, I'd call my mom, you know, like I'm giving you uh, money. Yeah, lady, you know? sure. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I haven't since, but it's definitely something that I, I like to do just because like I'm a manic dude anyway, most of the time, like you can just tell by the way I talk about things. I'll just be like tangent for like 15 minutes and people are like, what the fuck are you even talking about? It just <laughs> yeah. like, I need to like get all these emotions out and it helps by going to like a, um, a therapist and just being like, Hey, these are the things I feel. And they just be like, Hey, well, why do you feel those things? And you're like, I don't know. And they help you understand why you may or may not feel a particular way. And it helps yeah. you understand who you are. And you're like, why I've broken down so many barriers of stubbornness that I've had before, like where I didn't think I needed to change something about my behavior because it was the other person or because this rule is stupid. Like I I'd rail against the system as opposed to like figuring out how to like maneuver around to progress as a person, you know? So. No, I, I get that. I'm, I'm pro therapy. I think it, it's, everybody should do it. Yeah. Uh, if they're, if it's available. Yeah. You know? if it's or it available. is available. You just got to look for it. You know, yeah. there's, there's systems out there. I mean, there's programs and stuff where yeah, they do you can a you can get case free, by case or free free counseling from like any place that has like a college, community colleges too. Like all these like uh, like interns for like psych programs. They'll they'll yeah. It's I mean, you're not getting good counseling, but someone will listen to your bullshit for free. Yeah, <laughs> you're you're getting the practice squad. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, dude. So you know what's funny? We're saying if you if it's available, if uh, therapy is available because it's so expensive, and it is. And I was watching this uh, YouTube clip this morning when I was looking at videos of an Indian transgendered woman who became a lawyer and is now defending the other people who are marginalized in India. I guess maybe it's like a trans. It wasn't the point of the story. The point of the story is that this woman was uh, a lawyer in India who was helping uh, marginalized people, but she was also transgendered. But they just kind of mentioned like, oh, she begged on the street to put herself through law school. I was like, yo, that would just be a story in America. Oh yeah. <laughs> like they just like, this guy begged his way through college and got past the bar. And I'm just like, Jesus Christ. 
like that yeah. you could even do that there that's crazy makes me want to be a beggar kind of <laughs> i know i'm pretty sure like they make a lot of money like for what they do i mean they put a lot of good hard hours probably but uh you don't have to clock in and you don't no have to doubt no taxes tax-free no taxes yeah. yeah i'm going to law school bitch but uh <laughs> i just thought it was wild it's like yo things are just so expensive here dude like everything here costs so much goddamn money this is fucking wild dude uh so cool man this was fun good uh catching up with you again uh anything else you want to mention before we sign off no nah, man just the podcast middle class trash podcast on facebook and instagram um you can check it out on all podcast platforms and Thank you so much for having me on the show, dude. I really appreciate it. Yeah, this was cool, man. Uh, we'll check you later. Don't hang up. I'm just signing off for everybody else. <laughs> all right, dude. But uh, all right, everybody. Laters. Bye.